Well, it's a pleasure for me to be with you this evening. I appreciate so much being invited to share God's Word with you. And I remember when uh, Dan Elwart and uh, basically the boys and the two sisters came to our church. Uh, his mother, Dolly, was um, sick with cancer at the time, as I recall. But it was like a breath of fresh air having the Elwart family with us. And we still have... Uh, several of the family with us, and we still like a breath of fresh air. And I kind of think perhaps uh, Pastor Jacob and uh, Jenny being with you is like a breath of fresh air here for you too. So we've been praying for them and for the ministry here. I knew Pastor McLaughlin years ago when he was on the um, board of the seminary at uh, Intercity and took a few classes with him in the seminary as well. And before I get into the message... I just like to say um, I'm not a person that goes around uh, checking up on people's housekeeping and things like that. But uh, you know, when you see a diamond and it sparkles in the light, you just can't help but notice it. And this uh, church, whoever takes care of it, is just like a diamond that sparkles in here. <laughs> Everything looks so nice, and uh, so my compliments to the custodial staff, whoever they are. They certainly do a great job. You got a real testimony here for the Lord. Well, let's turn to Revelation chapter 13, please. Revelation chapter 13. And I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject of the sense and the senselessness of 666. The sense and the senselessness of 666. Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast. Now, I might say here that Revelation is a book of symbols. So some of these things that we read tonight are actually symbols, and the beast, of course, is a symbol for a certain person. But he says, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, another symbol, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast, in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him breath to the image. It was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell, except the one who has the mark, 
either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, and his number is 666, or as we usually say it, just 666. This number, 666, has a definite prophetic sense or significance in its future use by these beasts. The one beast, the beast out of the uh, earth and the beast out of the sea, one is the Antichrist, and the other beast is what we call the false prophet. <clears throat> I'll tell you about the sense of 666 in this message and also the senselessness of 666. But first of all, you tell me if I'm wrong. Is there a home represented here tonight that has not been absolutely bombarded with advertising circulars, coupons, credit card offers, equity loan offers, telemarketing phone calls, from every kind of store and group imaginable? Have they missed you in your home? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Most of us receive upwards of a hundred items a month. There must have been 30 in the newspaper that I received today. I had another paper delivered to my house on Friday morning, uh, and it was just a local newspaper, but it had another 30 or 40. Uh, you know, I get offers for credit cards every week in the mail. Uh, I can remember back in 1955 when I first came to Detroit, the only credit card I could get was a Sears Roebuck, and they don't even call it a Roebuck anymore, but some of you will remember that, a Sears Roebuck credit card. And folks, I was amazed. It had a credit limit of $200 that I could spend in Sears Roebuck. Amazing. Well, times have changed. <clears throat> and now that I'm a millionaire, <laughs> I better explain that, uh, too. I like to think of myself as a millionaire with my Social Security, my home, my car, my little Chinese motor scooter, my 10-horsepower snowblower for the wintertime with six Ford gears and two reverse, the... Uh, my wife, my four children and their spouses, my 20 grandchildren, hey, I am a millionaire. And when I add in my wife, I'm a millionaire two times over. And when I say throw in my wife, I mean throw her in gently, you know, I wouldn't want to hurt her. Now, most of us get advertisements from Kmart and Best Buy and Home Depot and Lowe's and Sam's Clubs and Meyer and... Walmart and Hudson's, used to be Hudson's, now it's uh, Macy's, Penny's, Sears, Best Buy, ABC Warehouse, Aldi's, now, all of these stores, McDonald's, Burger King, uh, they just bombard us with one ad after another. You know, it's a, a miracle almost that any of us have the resistance to hang on to a nickel we have. Well, folks, live it up. 
take advantage of all the sales you come, you have. Because according to this passage of Scripture, the day is coming when the sales will dry up for a lot of people. Will you stop now and just suppose something with me? Just suppose that you could not buy anything from any store in Royal Oak, even in the entire world, unless you signed in at the door to the effect that you believed something like this. Jesus of Nazareth was an illegitimate son of an immoral Jewish peasant girl named Mary and a Roman Germanic soldier. He was no more the son of God than was Adolf Hitler. If he ever lived at all, he deserved everything that the Jews and the Romans gave him. He was a no good, blasphemous, lying, rabble-rousing, misguided, religious hypocrite with uh, bankrupt political ideas. Satan is the true and living God. And his glorious servant, the Antichrist, is actually the Messiah. Now, I'm sure uh, if you went into McDonald's to buy a hamburger or a Happy Meal for your kids or whatever, uh, you'd say, well, you know, McDonald's would never ask me to say anything like that. Walmart, Sears, Kroger, they would never do such a thing. But I remind you that we are thinking tonight about the sense and the senselessness of 666. We read for you again Revelation 13, starting with uh, verse starting with verse 11, starting with verse 16. And he causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Now, I assure you that the outrageous scenario that I imagined of going into McDonald's and having to confess uh, to believing that Jesus Christ was a, a blasphemous fraud uh, seems pretty far-fetched. But I'm telling you, friends, it is a future and even imminent reality. That scenario, or something very much like it, is going to happen. And we'll look tonight at four things that I think will help you to see how that's going to happen. We're going to look at the sense of biblical numerology. We're going to look at the sense of Revelation 13. 
the sense of 666 and the senselessness of 666. First of all, the sense of biblical numerology. Numerology is when you assign uh, certain phenomenon to uh, numbers. Numbers represent certain things and uh, portray uh, certain facts or trends that are going to occur. Nowhere in the Bible are we told that numbers are used symbolically. Numbers are used over and over and over in the Bible. Some numbers are repeated many times. But no New Testament writer ever points back to any symbolism for a number in the Old Testament. That's strange, because for thousands of years, men have been fascinated with numbers. Even when you go back as far as the ancient Sumerians, one of the first civilizations of which we have any record, or the Canaanites, or the ancient Greeks, uh, the uh, Greek mathematician Pythagoras, all of these people were fascinated with the symbolism of numbers. Uh, the early church fathers, uh, they likewise were influenced by the Greeks, by Gnosticism, by Pythagoras, and even by one another, as they exchanged epistles with one another from afar and talked about and wrote about the meaning of numbers. Uh, any so-called meaning given to numbers in the Bible arises from a study of the way the numbers are used and not from any intrinsic significance of the numbers themselves. Let me tell you about some certain numbers and some significance that's been attached to them. The number one is said to represent unity. The number two represents, on the other hand, division. Three is said to represent God as a trinity. Four is said to represent the earth. Six is said to represent man because the Bible says that man was created on the sixth day. Seven, used over and over, is said to represent completion or fullness because God completed the creation on the sixth day and rested on the seventh day. You have seven used many times. Twelve is the mystical number of God's people. There were twelve tribes of Israel. There were twelve apostles. Forty is the number of testing or probation. Forty years in the wilderness. Christ, forty years being tempted, or forty days being tempted of Satan. And you could go on and on. But... This mystical significance of numbers has very little place in the proper preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I'm pretty sure I can stand here tonight and tell you uh, that your pastor will never preach a series of sermon on the meaning of numbers in the Bible. <laughs> it's just not something that you hear from pulpits because there really uh, is no significance attached to the numbers in the Bible except for this one 666 that we're going to look at tonight. Now, before we look at the sense of 666, uh, let me have you look, first of all, at the sense 
of Revelation chapter 13. To help you do that, turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. There are several different ways that people interpret the book of Revelation. But the book of Revelation itself gives us an outline for the book. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. uh, The Spirit of God tells John the Apostle, Therefore, write the things which you have seen. That would be chapter 1 and the visions that John saw in chapter 1. Then he says, secondly, and the things which are. That would be chapters 2 and 3. The letters to the seven churches that John wrote that were actually existing in Asia Minor at that time. And then he says, the things which will take place after these things. That is, after the things which are, after the seven churches. So you have this threefold division. The things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be. The past, the present, and the future. The past simply had to do with the visions that John saw in chapter 1. The present had to do with John's relationship and the Lord's relationship to the seven churches to whom he wrote letters in Revelation 2 and 3. And the things which shall be be after the future have to do with the future that takes place after the church is no more. So when you start in on Revelation 4 in the Bible, you are talking about a future time. Revelation 4 through 22 deals with the future. So when you turn to Revelation 13, you find that Revelation 13 is right in the middle of that. And Revelation 13 is speaking about the future. It is a prophetic chapter. I'll mention to you that uh, because we're talking about here the end of the ministry of the churches, the ministry of the churches ends at the rapture of the church. And when Christ returns, he's going to take every single Christian in this world out of this world, and the ministry of the churches will end. And mankind and the world will be prophetically in the future at that point. The future will then be the present. The first events to follow the rapture of the church will be a period of seven years of terrible tribulation that we usually refer to simply as the tribulation period. During that time, the church will be gone. And there will be terrible things happening on the church. In the middle of that seven-year period of time, the Antichrist and the false beast rise to such prominence that the Antichrist demands that people worship him, that they be marked on their hands or on their foreheads with this number 666. And if you do not have that number or his name, you will find it impossible to buy in any of the stores in Royal Oak or even in the world. You won't be able to ride the bus. You won't be able to get gas. You won't be able to buy groceries. Uh, You will be ostracized, banned from all commerce unless you have this number or the name of the Antichrist on your hand or clearly marked in some way on your forehead. 
Now, these two beasts that we've read about here in Revelation 11, who rise to prominence, uh, they actually rise to prominence immediately after the rapture of the church. In some way that uh, we really can't even foresee at this point. But in some way, a man will make peace between the Jews and the Arabs. And the Arabs will allow the Jews to rebuild their temple on Mount Zion, which is presently occupied by two Muslim mosques. At least one of the mosques will undoubtedly be torn down and transported and re-erected someplace else, and in its place will rise the Jewish temple. The Jews already have plans to build that temple. All the blueprints are drawn. Uh, All it takes is someone to make peace between the Arabs and the Jews, and that's going to happen at the beginning of the tribulation period. And the man who does it is going to rise to prominence. He's going to be the great peacemaker. Because since uh, uh, Abraham's uh, dealings with Hagar and Sarah and the son of the handmaid, uh, Ishmael, and Isaac, there has not been peace between the Jews and the Arabs, these two lines of descent from Abraham. But the peace is coming. And the Antichrist is the one who will make the peace between the Jews and the Arabs. Uh, The false prophet, the second beast, is the one who will cause people to worship the first beast. And in the middle of the tribulation period, that would be after three and a half years, the Antichrist will actually go into the rebuilt temple of the Jews on Mount Zion. And in some way, perhaps by uh, satellite television, he will proclaim to all the world that he is God and that people must worship him. And it is at that point that the marking of the hands and the foreheads will begin. Now think about that, friends. We believe that Jesus could come at any time. He says, watch therefore, for you know neither the sun, the day, nor the hour wherein the Son of Man doth come. The only thing that has to happen before the Lord Jesus returns is for the final soul that God has chosen to be saved, actually to be saved. And when the last person that God chose in eternity to be saved is actually saved, then the Bible says that Jesus will return and rapture his church. At that point, the seven-year tribulation period begins. The last person could be saved today. Uh, I rather fancy in my own mind that it's going to happen on a Sunday when invitations are given all over this world in churches and people walk the aisles to accept Christ. Foreign countries and different languages, (laughs) many places in this country. Uh, I fancy in my own mind that it's going to happen on Sunday. Sunday morning or Sunday night when the Lord Jesus will return and the tribulation period begins. Now, Suppose that the final 
person whom God has chosen to be saved is actually saved somewhere in the world today, then Jesus will return. All the Christians will disappear from the earth and the seven-year tribulation period will begin. That means that it's possible <clears throat> that this marking of the hands <clears throat> and this marking of the foreheads could be as close as three and one-half years from today. 2010, 11, 12, sometime in 2013 or maybe early 14. It could happen. It's going to happen. Whether it happens in 2013 or 14, we really can't say for sure. But friends, it is definitely going to happen. That also means that these two men, remember I said the beast are symbols of men, these two men, the Antichrist and the false prophet, could be alive today. If the coming of Christ is really near, then these men must be alive because the Antichrist will have to be a grown man to do what he's going to do, to make peace between the Jews and the Arabs. So Christ could come back today. The Antichrist could be unveiled today. The tribulation period could begin today. And the sense of 666 could be unveiled to the world in just three and one-half years from this very day. Now let me talk to you about the sense of 666. Just what does it mean? Well, it's a trinity of sixes. Uh, trinity, God's a trinity. <clears throat> we talked about six being the number of man. It's, a, it's not a number of completion. Seven is the number of completion. Six, six, six. A trinity of sixes is a trinity of incompletion. He says plainly in the Bible, and the Lord tells us, this is wisdom, that six is the number of a man. So it's incomplete. And no matter how powerful Satan and his false messiah, the Antichrist, and his emissary, uh, the false prophet, become, no matter how perfect the world thinks them to be, the Bible represents them by a trinity of incompletion, a trinity of sixes, mere human power, not divine power. Six, six, six is the number of a man. That's what the Bible says. Let me read it for you again. Go back to Revelation chapter, thir chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. Here's wisdom, verse 18, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man. So when I assign some significance to this number six in the Bible, uh, I'm not really trying to practice biblical numerology. I'm simply telling you what the Bible says about this number six. His number is six, six. Six. Somehow, this number 666 six, 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 
will be worked into the fabric and the daily routine of life three and one half years into the tribulation period. And those who do not have the number 666 on their hand or on their forehead, indicating that they worship the beast and denounce Jesus Christ as a fraud, those people will be persecuted and slain. Look at verse 15 that we read in this chapter. And it will be given to him to give breath to the image of the beast, that is the Antichrist, so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Uh, The Bible indicates that the tribulation period, as well as being a time of incalculable horror, in which at least half of the people in the world will die. I tell people, if you really want to make money in the tribulation period, uh, just become an undertaker. Because they're going to be, uh, if the Lord came back tonight, they're going to be over three billion funerals in the next seven years. Half the people in the world will die. That's right here in the book of Revelation. So it's a terrible time. But it is also a time of unbelievable evangelistic activity. The Bible says that there will be a great host in heaven who came out of the tribulation period. A greater number than anyone can count. And they will sing praises to God and praise Him for bringing them out of the tribulation period. So the tribulation period will be a time of great evangelistic activity as well by special witnesses that God calls to the earth during that time. Anyone who accepts Christ and makes it known is going to be persecuted and slain unless he goes into hiding someplace. And anyone who accepts Christ will not have the number 666 on his hand and on his head. He'll have to hide. And when you go into stores, they're going to want to see your hand. And you're for it. They may do this by some type of electronic scanner. Who knows how the uh, multiple ways it could be done even today. Some number that you don't even see without the scanner, but you can't buy or sell without it. It's going to happen. And it could happen three and one half years from today. So uh, that's the meaning of 666. It's the number of a man. It's a trinity of incompletion. Because though the Antichrist will claim that he is the Messiah and the uh, false prophet will claim to have a ministry like the Holy Spirit and Satan will claim to be God in the tribulation period, the Lord says their number is 666. And that's what we call sometimes the mark of the beast. This number will somehow be associated with the Antichrist. And it is the only way that people will be able to buy and sell in the tribulation period. Refusal to bear this number will mean ostracism and death. All Christ rejectors, antichrist acceptors, will be marked on their forehead, on their hand, by the number 666. Friends, it's coming. 
Walmart, Sears, Kroger, car dealerships, McDonald's, all commerce, all of it, will be banned to those who do not have the mark of the beast. It's all a part of Satan's grandiose plan to usurp the place and power of God in the world of men. And I tell you upon the authority of God's word that the sense of 666 is coming. And it is just as imminent as the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to rapture the church. Now let's talk for just a moment about the senselessness of 666. Look at verse 18, please. What are the first three words? Here is wisdom. So the Lord's going to tell us how to be wise tonight. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. Now, the idea of calculate the number. There was an advertisement on the TV oh, several years ago. A little man fell down into a big place and he won the lottery. And he looked, he had his little cigar and his raggedy clothes on. And he says, go figure. <laughs> go figure. I won the lottery. That's what it's talking about here. It's not talking about adding up the numbers so you get 18 or something like that. It means understand. Go fig- figure out what's happening. Go figure. Calculate the number of the beast. Okay, for the number is that of a man and his number is 666. God is more powerful than any man. God is more powerful than the devil. God is more powerful than the devil and the Antichrist and the false prophet all rolled together into a futile, imperfect trinity. And God tells us in his word exactly what's going to happen during the tribulation period. Here's wisdom. Go figure. Nobody, nobody in this church tonight need be unprepared for these events. Nobody in this church should be on earth when the mark of the beast becomes the password into all the stores in the world. You do not have to be on the earth. You can be gone. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, when he returns to rapture the church, you will disappear. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, you'll be gone. And so the senselessness of 666 would be for anyone in this church or any church like it where the gospel is preached to be left on the earth after the rapture of the church. Because if you are and you have understood the gospel, the Bible says that God himself is going to send you strong delusion so that you will believe the lies of the Antichrist. Look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 14. Not only does God send strong delusion, but the false prophet does. Verse 14 says, He deceives those who dwell on the earth. 
because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast. Turn back to Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. Revelation 19, verse 20. And the beast was seized. This is at the end of the tribulation period. And the false prophet, who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast. Friends, you say, well, you can never deceive me. Now I know what's going to happen. If you refuse to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be deceived. And you will undoubtedly be one of those who receive the mark of the beast on your hand or on your forehead. The Bible speaks of this as all deceivableness in them that perish. And so I talked to you about the senselessness of 666. How utterly senseless that anyone who hears the gospel of the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of repentance and faith preached. How senseless that anyone who hears that and understands it should have to go through the horrors of the tribulation period and be branded with 666 on his hand or on his forehead. It's senseless. And that's the senselessness of 666. So God offers eternal life and deliverance to everyone who will simply repent of his or her sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior. <clears throat> so I can conclude by saying that truly the sense of 666 amounts to senselessness for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, I know I'm talking to uh, the Sunday night crowd in a fundamental Baptist church. Uh, if, however, there should be someone here who has never received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, let me remind you that you are on the verge of the most senseless act that any human being could ever Perform, And for those of us who are saved and understand the sense of 666, do you remember the uh, story of a little baby girl years ago named Baby Faye is what they called her in the newspapers? She was born with a heart defect, and the doctors at the Loma Linda University Hospital in California actually took a baboon's heart and transplanted the heart of the baboon into little baby Faye's uh, chest. They did everything they could. But all of their knowledge and skill and the drugs they had could not forestall the inevitable end, and that little girl died. <clears throat> the year was 1984. And I can remember working in the church at that time and talking to several people, and, oh, people were praying for little baby Faye, and none of us knew her. But people were praying for that, and the heart would be successful, and that she would live. People were concerned everywhere about baby Faye, and her parents, and her grandparents, and they were all hoping she would get well. 
And so I say to the Sunday night crowd here at Ambassador Baptist Church, as you think about the hearts of people going out to the family of baby Faye with a baboon's heart in her chest, should not our hearts go out to a lost and dying world? To our family members who don't know Christ? To our friends and neighbors who don't know Christ? When this decision to accept or reject the mark of the beast could be only three and a half years away for them. Don't you see how we need to be stirred to pray and to witness for Christ and to do what the Lord has called us to do, to be a witness and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth? Let me encourage you, when you pray tonight and when you pray from now on, to take before the throne of grace the name of some family member or the name of some friend or the name of some colleague at work who doesn't know Christ and pray that God would help you lead that person to Christ. And as you think about the sense and the senselessness of 666, perhaps that will be the motivation to get you to pray and to witness for the Lord as we all should. Pastor? Thank you, Dr. Towns. That made a lot of sense. Um, we appreciate your coming tonight. And uh, let's uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll um, sing a hymn, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank You for Your grace, and we pray that You would help us to be stirred up in our thoughts and in our hearts to recognize the danger and the severe trials that are coming to this world and to the people around us and to perhaps people even to whom we are related, to people uh, we work with. Lord, we sometimes pray so generically that we wouldn't even know if You answered it. And so we pray that we would take this... um, this uh, charge this evening and and apply it to our lives that we would pray specifically for the lost souls around us. Lord, who else will go to them if it's not us? How will they call on, on Him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless someone has sent the Word of God to them? Lord, that is our responsibility individually and we pray that You would help us each in our own relationships to recognize uh, how serious of a of a situation is coming upon our earth, we thank you that in this that you are in control of all things, and that uh, Jesus Christ will reign, and that all things will be made uh, made right, and they will be made to make sense to all of us. We will see it, and we will see you as the just and loving God that you are. And there will be no question about your justice or your faithfulness or your care. We will see it clearly when all things are made right. And we look forward to that day and we pray that that day would come quickly. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.